0: Ladies and gents, welcome to the Moist Podcast episode 25 and this time we're going to take a break from our regular scheduled programming to discuss discuss what the fucking discuss what the fuck's discuss we're going to discuss something. Okay, we're going to discuss a topic which I get asked about quite a bit and if anybody knows me, you'll know I'm one of those people that, ironically, given obviously the job that I do, I hate repeating myself. Um, and obviously, when it comes to coaching and the fundamentals of fat loss, that tends to happen quite a bit. But, you know, it's kind of what I do. It's what I'm passionate about. So I don't mind too much. And this particular story, I also don't mind repeating myself with. But it would be handy to have a resource to send people to because we've forever asked the question of the story of the triplets and all of the questions that go along with triplets and everything. Because, you know, as much as four and a half years down the line at this point, it's a pretty common thing. Everybody's used to the fact we got triplets. We're used to the fact we got triplets. It's still pretty fucking abnormal when you think about it. And particularly from the background that I come from. So in this particular episode, We're going to discuss that. But in my usual fashion, I am going to link it back in some way to your own personal development and hopefully help you with this podcast. So don't skip it just because it's maybe not about a specific fat loss topic or, you know, specific motivational topic as per the last episode, which thank you all for your great feedback about that one, by the way. Um, But yeah, like I said, because it's something we're often asked about. So I'm going to take you guys back. I'm gonna take you back to 2015. I'm gonna tell you the whole story of how we got to this point and everything I've learned about myself along the way. And in actual fact, I'm gonna take you before 2015. I was always afraid of kids. I was never, ever good with kids. You know how you just, you know, sometimes you find that there's adults or young adults where they just meet children, they automatically know what to do. I never did. I didn't really grow up with any young kind of kids around me, no friends or had like younger siblings, whatever. And so I never really had that experience of kids. And so it always made me feel really awkward. It's like, how do you play with kids? What do you say? What do you do, etc. And I suppose because of that, I was never particularly paternal. You know, of course I wanted to tick the box. Of course, at some point I wanted my own kids, but I never really... Imagined it, I never really saw it happening, and God knows I never actually realized, really thought about how it would change me as a person and how I don't know how I would be, I guess. And obviously, through past and past relationships, etc., it was never something where the journey began. And to give you guys probably too much information, I've also never been one of those people that's ever actually got anybody pregnant. So the funny thing is, I never actually knew if my junk was working (laughs) because it was like, well, I've never had any near misses. So I don't know. I guess my mum raised me well in that case. I was always very respectful and always very sensible. But moving away from that side of things, Rage and I got together and in 2015 we spoke about children and spoke about what we wanted and at that point neither of us were getting any younger and she already had her two boys and it was a conversation that we had it was like you know what yeah i'm up for kids like as long as i end up having my own child then yeah i guess so so we went on holiday to turkey for rachel's 30th birthday and we basically said that when we get back she's going to Come off all of contraception, etc., and we'll just let nature run its course. Like I said, I didn't know if my junk was working. I didn't know what would happen, but I never wanted to be, I suppose, one of those couples that tried, because it was one of those things where it was a case of I've always heard of people trying, and the stress itself causes people to, you know, nothing's happened. They put too much pressure on themselves, which I don't know if there's much science behind it. I've not researched it, but apparently, inadvertently, all of the stress, the cortisol, etc., can actually inhibit. That happening, but I don't know if there's any fact behind that. So don't quote me on that. So, you know, 2015 continued on, and then one day I came home, and Rach said, "Chris, there's a massive spider in the bedroom. Uh, massive spider. I need you to. I need you to sort it." So I was like, "Okay, cool. Yeah, no worries." So I went up to the bedroom, and. She said, Oh, it's it's under the sheets. I've I've it there. Or at least this this is how I remember it. I'm probably fuzzy, etc., because it was more what I was told and what happened, which is the thing that I remember most. And I pulled back the sheets, and there under the sheets is a little tiny baby grow and a little pregnancy test that said positive. And I just looked at Rage and went, What? And literally just like, oh my god, like eyes flooded. I don't remember crying per se but I do remember getting very watery eyed and it was like oh my god you know it's it's happening and as I said I was not someone that was ever actually very paternal so like this is kind of a a big thing because it's like I don't know what's going to happen here and I suppose before I continue on I should probably take you back to the birth of my first niece Imogen and Imi kind of massively helped me from a relationship with kid's perspective because she helped me relax because my brother and I had a good relationship because he trusted me, etc. I was able to kind of, I guess, be a lot more relaxed with Imogen than I normally would be with like other kids. I suppose other kids scared me because I was always worried about what was the right thing to do, what's the wrong thing to do, you know, you don't want to make them cry. And I had one of those faces that always made babies cry. So it was like, whenever there was a baby, I tried my best not to kind of peer into the pram, etc. because every single time I did, I made them cry. But with Imogen, she took to me straight away, which really helped. And we had a great kind of uncle niece uh, relationship. And so I was able to, I suppose, become a bit more paternal. And she helped me kind of relax around kids a little bit more, I guess. And I can particularly remember one Christmas where she wanted something and she got upset and she started crying. And then I started crying because she cried. Uh, it was mad. Um, but it was yeah, that was one of those moments where I was like, okay, maybe actually this isn't as scary as I initially thought it was. Anyways, So, found out Rachel and I are expecting. Obviously, you don't expect more than one, you expect a singleton. So, time passes, you know, we do the the obligatory week one pitches, etc. And then a few weeks pass. Can't actually remember how many, but I know that it is sort of a a Tuesday, Wednesday. Wednesday in particular, I, I remember it being. And. Rach is concerned worried because for ages she had felt um like I said a little bit of time had passed for ages she had felt baby moving felt pregnant basically felt all the symptoms felt stuff going on and then one day those symptoms stopped and she said to me like I'm I'm really worried nothing's nothing's happening um and she said I've also started bleeding and I was like okay and so we called up to get an appointment and the earliest date they could do was either, it was either a Thursday or a Friday, but I know for a fact it, there was a day in between. So let's let's call it a Friday. And I'm pretty sure it was a Friday to be fair. And so there we are with these symptoms, you know, or lack thereof, you know, not feeling baby moving at all, rage bleeding. And so we begin to consider the worst. We begin to think, you know what? First time I've ever got somebody pregnant, maybe maybe something's gone wrong. And having known a good friend of mine in the past that had been through this a few times, and then conceived um, full, you know, full term, and Little is 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 happy and, and healthy. I kind of not wasn't at peace with it. I was gutted, but I was prepared. And as was Rach, we were both going. You know what? It's it's okay. It's you know we'll we'll see what happens but we expected the worst so the thursday rolls around and we have the shittest day you could think of like properly awful day like just knowing that we've got this appointment on the friday and just being like you know what it's just you know and and the more and more conversations we have the more and more pessimistic it becomes wake up friday morning and we go to the hospital and we get pulled in for the scan and again, we're there going big size, going, Okay, we've we're prepared for this, it's cool, whatever happens, happens. Um, it's all right. You know, it's suddenly there were loads of symptoms, now there's none. We know where this is going. So Ray sits down on the chair, they recline her, etc and put all of the um gel on her belly. And as the um I can't remember the name, son- sonographer, I don't know. Uh, as she's kind of scanning Rach, she's got the screen looking at her and we can't see it. And so she um, she says to us, she's like, have you, have you had any intervention at all? Any IVF or anything? And we were like baffled at this point, bear in mind obviously what we were feeling. We're like, well, no, no, nothing. Just completely natural. Um, no intervention whatsoever. And she was like, oh, okay. And she was like, well, please tell you everything's fine. So at that moment we well up and we're crying kind of tears of joy going oh thank god for that you know you know thank god baby's okay and then she uh she turns a monitor around and she said um because there's three in there we were like what and then I, I don't know how i can show you guys this picture um but i'll do my best to put it up uh alongside the podcast picture so if you guys go and find the post on facebook or instagram you'll see this picture along with it And um, she says to us, there's three in there. And it's one of those pictures, when you see it, head over, go and have a look at it now while you're listening to this. It's irrefutable. (laughs) There are three babies. So at no point were we like, are you fucking kidding? Because it's quite clear. And we're just literally, we've gone from crying tears of joy going, oh my God, everything's okay. To then... What? And so we're crying and laughing at the same time with disbelief going, you're fucking kidding, right? It Three? And we, as far as we're aware, we have no record of any multiples in our family. I've looked on my side as far back as I can. Rachel's looked on her side as far back as she can. And we cannot find any evidence of multiples whatsoever. Um, And so we're absolutely baffled at this point, And obviously she confirms it she's like yeah it's definitely definitely three babies and they're all doing well you're expecting triplets and so like i think she pulls in like two or three or even four more um like nurses etc go you've got to come and have a look at this and so we become this little bit of a circus kind of thing which was a lovely feeling to be honest it wasn't a bad one and then we leave and we're then talking to the nurses etc and it's like this is crazy and then we start I mean obviously being given advice and um you know getting assigned our um who are not nurses etc are going to be uh who are midwife etc is actually I don't think it was midwife um another term like chief nurse I can't remember honestly four and a half years it was it was all a bit of a blur as you can probably imagine and so we get in the car and obviously we're told family still in fucking disbelief going okay so we were hoping for one and we've got three um And they had said to us that you have to be prepared that firstly it may very well be that not all three make full term. And they said also in terms of uh, options available, and this is something they actually repeated in every appointment we had, obviously up until a certain point, that we could elect to do what's called a reduction. So if for financial or physical reasons um, we said no, we 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 can't do triplets, then they could reduce to twins or they could actually reduce to a singleton. Obviously, as long as it was early enough, they were able to do that. Now, Rachel and I obviously took the stance from the word go to say, no, nature has run its course with us and this has ended up happening. And so, no, we're gonna let nature run its course continually you know it's it's scary as shit but I just I remember tears in my eyes like smiling and laughing at the same time just looking at Rach with her absolute look of shock and just saying we'll make it work we'll make it work and so we get in the car and obviously we start calling family and I remember the conversations with Rach's mom I remember conversations with my mum, and just saying like they were going you're kidding and they genuinely thought we were pulling their leg they genuinely thought we were taking the piss going like no okay yeah very funny come on what actually happened um but obviously after a certain amount of no 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 we are serious and of course forwarding them the picture of the scan the reaction from both of them was pretty much the same fucking hell (laughs) and obviously then we were then kind of given i suppose a um a special uh gestation plan pregnancy plan whatever you want to call it um where we were scanned every two weeks uh, and every other scan was with our kind of main physician doctor again i'm I'm dicing american words but it doesn't really matter Um, and then there was the kind of the the debacle of on christmas eve no sorry new year's eve um in 2015 we had our scan, and it was around that point where it was just a little bit early to sex the babies, and they basically said to us that, you know, we, we're pretty certain, so we're like, oh, yeah, go on then, tell us. So like I said, New Year's Eve, that will come in, come into, yeah, that'll be more relevant later on, you'll see. And they said, uh, they scanned baby number one, they went, okay, yep, yeah, that's uh, that's definitely a boy, and then they moved down to, uh, to baby number two, which, um, uh, well ended up being Polly, baby number sorry baby number three at the top was penny baby number two uh was or triplet number two was Polly and triplet number one was william because he was closest to the cervix uh cervix he was down the bottom basically uh and then like, baby number two yep that's uh that's definitely a boy as well and then they moved down to william and they're like okay yeah baby number three is actually a boy so we're expecting you know three boys and so Part of us was like, okay, amazing. But then the other part of us was like, okay, so we've already got the two boys with Harris and Jacob and now we're going to get three more boys. And part of us, well, I, I can't vouch for Rach, only with the conversations we have, but part of me was disappointed. I suppose maybe because of the relationship that I'd built up with Imogen, but part of me was like, you know what, if I'm going to have three babies at once, at least let me have both, you know, <laughs> let me tick both boxes of getting a son and a daughter at the same time. But obviously it was a case of, you know what, it's cool, you know, three boys. And so we started to come up with names. We only actually ever came up with two. Um, and thankfully so. Because two weeks later, we had another scan, as planned. And they said, uh, would you like us to sex the babies? And we said, oh, actually, they did do it last week. But yeah, if you could confirm that, that'd be great. And so they uh, they scanned, scanned right again. And they went, um, okay, so triplet three is a girl triplet two is a girl and triplet number one is is a boy and we went well hang on a second we got told it was three boys and they joked obviously about it being new year's eve and they went what were they drunk (laughs) it's quite clearly two girls and a boy and obviously that's how things stayed Uh, and we ended up with our william polly and penny born on the 21st of april um Queen's 90th birthday which then ended up being a bit of a celebrity moment it was the first triplets in Sir Richard's uh, hospital in Chichester for as long as they could remember um and it was quite obviously this event in the I suppose the local community and we embraced that you know it was nice to feel special you know it was nice to do something abnormal and gentlemen from the observer reached out to us we didn't contact them they just said look we'd love to cover it wonderful guy called Stephen who then continued to cover the triplets for subsequent years and birthdays etc which was yeah it was awesome and i suppose the the funny thing about it was to tell you i suppose the story of the birth it was once again a thursday morning and during kind of rachel's pregnancy she'd had so many kind of uncomfortable. it was so uncomfortable for her bless her and she did amazingly um, and we had like five like duvets on the bed etc to make sure that she was soft and as comfortable as possible her IT bands were ridiculously tight which a lot of you girls will probably know happens during pregnancy and i was foam rolling her IT bands quite often each night um, obviously bio oil and cocoa butter were being used by the bucket load and obviously the plans were in place building cots you know the standard stuff you do with, with singletons of course and I remember it was obviously Thursday 21st and it was a Thursday morning and I had PT sessions. So I remember being in the gym with uh, one of my clients, Charlotte, and Rach texted me and the text said, uh, can you call me when you get a moment or when you get a sec? Um, and so, you know, it was pretty unurgent text message, you know, when you get a second and so I was with Charlotte and I said, okay, just give me two seconds. I've just got to call Rage." So I call her up and she's like, um, yeah, I think I'm in labor. And I was like, what, what? And she was like, yeah, it's, uh, I think, I think it started. Um, so, and the, the thing that we kind of knew about Rage from what she'd said about Harrison Jacob was that she labors quick. And so she called her mum, and she, by calling her mum, her mum had then called an ambulance. And I was like, right, okay, I'm, I'm on my way. So I said to Charlotte, I was like, I have to go. So I jumped in the car, flew home. No sooner as I have I got home, um, but literally Rach is at the door, and I'm like, okay, we've you know we've we've got to get you to the hospital. So we grab her bag, I chuck her bag into uh, what was it, the BMW I had at the time, a one series. So I chucked her bag into that, ready to race to the hospital, and then her mama called an ambulance. So just as I'm putting her bag in, the ambulance pulls up, and so she climbs in the back of the ambulance, uh, and they go, look, we're gonna have to check her to make sure you know to see how far along she is and so they check her and i think she was 10 centimeters at that point and they're like okay fuck, we need to get to the hospital um so by that point it was like right we ain't driving we're going blue lighted so jumps in the back of the ambulance she starts obviously getting some um some some gas and air and you know we're flying to towards st richard's uh going the old way in feltham for some reason so we didn't go the faster route no idea why and so we're bombing it along and she's kind of holding back as best she can um, and very, very nearly kind of giving birth on the side of the road of the a 27. Um, so we, we get to the hospital, literally she gets in, she gets into the room. No sooner do we basically get into the room, but we, all of the guys kind of go out, you know, midwife, etc., go out to get everything sorted. And she's giving birth to William. William's kind of out and he's... Uh, and she's, bless her, she's going, I'm, I'm sorry, William kind of worried that, you know, she couldn't kind of hold him in anymore. And um, so, yeah, so William William was born, um, which was just amazing. And then Rachel was immediately whisked into operating theater, um, obviously ready for the girls because the initial plan was all three of them were going to be C-section because it was just going to be too dangerous to deliver naturally because of, you know, the potential risk to each of the, um, the bubs to clarify by the way they were all in their own individual sacks and they all had their own individual placentas which is one of the reasons they were able to go full term and be healthy happy babies and so she gets whisked away and they're kind of checking william over and i'm just tears are rolling down my face i'm like that's that's my son that's that's crazy i've just seen him born and it was mad um and so i get kind of i don my gear which basically looks like a fucking boiler suit full-on ppe with with White Wellington boots is again a picture on my social media. If you go back far enough, and then I like, go in through into your operating room and they're prepping Rach and the team were incredible from midwife to surgeon. I still remember their names: midwife Mel, uh, the surgeon um, Allison. Absolutely, in fucking incredible. And then of course, then you had the the neonatal team of uh, Amanda and Auds and everybody. Too many names to even mention at this point. But you guys were incredible um hopefully they're listening who knows and so we're there and kind of they go well william's come naturally he's kind of forced our hand a little bit here so let's see if we can do the same with the girls so william was born at 902 and so for the next 40 odd minutes um they're trying to deliver the girls naturally and what basically alice and the surgeons doing is basically trying to push what i think is penelope back so that polly can be born and then penny can come after Penny being the impatient little shit, as she still is four and a half years on, she didn't want to wait. So both Polly and Penny were fighting to come at the same time. And for 40 minutes, they were doing this, going like, I'm going to be first, I'm going to be first. And again, it really does echo their personalities nowadays. We have more fights between the girls than we do William and the girls. And so eventually they go, look, really sorry, but we're going to have to elect for emergency c-section because it's just not going to happen um we've you know we've tried but we just can't so the girls are born via c-section Polly 944 penny 945 um and obviously they kind of they show them to us and they're whisked away so not quite as intimate as as william was william got to kind of lay on rachel's chest the moment he was born however with the girls they were kind of whisked away and checked etc and A very tricky circumstance then came around with Penelope. Now, Polly and William doing okay. They were 32 weeks plus a day. So early, but then to be expected with multiples. And what followed was a terrifying night. Because babes are born. Rages then whisked away. um, You know, the aftermath, etc. Were then put into a bed down um, in Tangmere Ward, I think it was, in Chai. And we got the curtain around us, etc. And they said, right, you know, we're going to get everything sorted. Make sure babes are okay. And then later on, you'll be able to come up and see them. So the night kind of rolls on. And we get told about little Penelope. And little Penelope is not doing too well with the breathing side of things. Polly and William are obviously very early. So they're in neonatal. They are being very closely monitored. But they're not needing any additional support bar a little bit of oxygen. Whereas Penelope is being a little madam. She's needing oxygen um, and then she was needing, I I think it's called intubation, Um, but she was needing additional support to breathe, which isn't uncommon with early babes, but obviously it was an abnormal circumstance given how william and polly were doing particularly william obviously being born naturally and apparently it's something to do with the compression that happens to the rib cage or to babes when they're born which kind of helps them with their kind of development but either way one of the last things that gets developed in a baby's kind of gestation is their lungs you know so as the night goes on we go up to see babes etc um we get to have our, our did we have our cuddles? Such a blur. Either way, I think we get to go and see them. Um, yeah, we do get to go and see them, but we didn't have cuddles. We didn't have cuddles till like four days later. I remember now. But Penny's not doing great. And every hour, every couple of hours, we're updated on Penny's condition, and it gets worse and worse and worse. And St. Richards is not a, I suppose, a full-on neonatal hospital. They're not kind of geared up for. Um, the situation that Penelope was in and so as the night went on they would regularly update us and every single time it got worse and worse and worse and so this amazing beautiful moment turned into an incredibly scary moment because our little girl was not doing great and so I believe it was around 2 a.m that they came down they said to us look we are going to have to send Penelope to Portsmouth Hospital uh, Queen Alexandra like we're going to have to send her over to QA because she needs more care than we're able to give here. And so in the early hours of Friday 22nd, Penny is whisked off. So we're then left with the two of them in St. Richard's and Penny's off at QA. and And terrifying, what ended up happening was Penny had a pneumothorax. Um, and she had to have a full-on blood transfusion. She had full-on, um, oh, what's it called, sepsis? sepsis but yeah she had to have a full full blood transfusion and so it was it was terrifying the kind of the the journey that little lady p went on and then of course with trying to juggle the boys at home with juggling the fact that the tree the sorry not the trio that william and polly were in st richards and then penelope was in qa rach was then in obviously for another 24 hours or so afterwards and then came home and then obviously we had to come home without our babies which was not a nice feeling and then obviously then persisted the visits etc and going you know back and forth to all of the hospitals visiting Penelope and visiting William and Polly um and then just a whole myriad of of kind of ups and downs there afterwards but Penelope improved and then eventually um was transferred back to St. Richard's and all three of them were able to be in neonatal. Penny initially away from the other two and then put together with all three of them. So they're all three of them shared a cot. And then that kind of led to, I think it was about six or eight weeks. I think it was six weeks of being in neonatal with them. Penelope got got readmitted, I think twice or three times. Uh, We got discharged and then we had to come back again. And then discharged again come back again and so we kind of we built up a a great relationship weirdly enough with the neonatal team in the hospital etc um but eventually eventually we ended up home and they went from strength to strength bar the typical kind of thing that happens with premature babies bronchiolitis which hit for pretty much three years in a row um and we had some really really shit Christmases with the babes not being very well and some additional visits to hospitals etc um Not neonatal this time, but children's intensive care. And uh, yeah, I suppose that's, in a nutshell, the beginning of the trio. But I promised you guys I was going to link this back to, you know, to life and an inspiring story, I guess. And as they've got older, four and a half years have passed. They began school a couple of weeks ago. And I think it's safe to say, anyone who knows me, and particularly anyone that knew me obviously pre-trio and, you know, knows me now, that the trio have, without question, been the making of me. Like, my entire world, my entire ethos, everything, has absolutely transformed since they came along. From being, I suppose, the least paternal man you would ever meet, like I said, terrified of kids, to then... I suppose being as hands on as I possibly can be. Now, don't get me wrong, you know, with triplets, you need both parents, okay? You can't raise, well, you can raise triplets on your own, but, you know, it helps if both parents are kind of supporting each other. And Reg and I did, you know, and we still do. We still, you know, balance the trio together. And during that time, obviously, I took the decision to go completely self employed. Um, not only did I change my job going from working with the NHS, um, but I then, change my job to then be part-time so I could build my business and then obviously then went full-time which was a terrifying thing to do my granddad actually reminded me of how terrifying that was the other day when he said to me I still can't believe that you had newborn triplets at home and you decided to jack in your guaranteed income to provide your own income (laughs) um and it's actually still quite scary and crazy when I think about it now because it's kind of so much the norm me doing what I do but it's yeah it's quite a weird feeling and so I suppose, like I said, the, the thing to take away from this is, first and foremost, don't ever think you're not capable of something. Don't ever think that, or write yourself off thinking, no, I can't do that. Or, you know, I'll, I'll never be good at that. Because as time goes on and circumstances evolve, you'll actually find your the wind in your sails, if you will. You'll actually find that when you're put in a situation which challenges you it's basically a fight or flight situation that a lot of the time you'll fight and a lot of the time you'll prove to yourself something which you thought you weren't capable of which leads me nicely into I suppose the second point to put put across which is triplets man (laughs) Triplets is terrifying on paper. Absolutely terrifying. You ask anybody. I mean, hell, it it may very well be the reason that you've listened to this podcast. You know, The thing of going, oh my God, I don't know how you guys do it. And even now, four and a half years on, we still get asked that question. I don't know how you guys do it, or that statement, if you will. And maybe I'm lucky individually because I don't know any different. I've never had a singleton. No, I've never raised a child. All I've ever known is what I've dealt with with, you know, a routine, a schedule of feeding. You know, we didn't do demand feeding. We did sequencing, which was fun when uh, William and Polly were on three hourly feeds and Penelope was on two. So obviously, if you work your way through 24 hours, that's quite interesting when it comes to actually sleeping. And obviously, when it comes to doing feeds, there's no getting up on your own and letting the other person sleep. You're both up. And so I suppose to any dads that are listening to this where... It's a case of going, oh, I need my sleep because I need to go to work and I need my other half to kind of do the feeding. It's like, no, I still had to work. And when I say work, by the way, I mean, get up in the morning, train myself, about quarter past five, I'd start training. So I'd leave home about five, get to the gym about quarter past five, train myself for about an hour. Then I'd have a client in the morning. Then I would come home, get shower, change, breakfast, go out to work, do a full day of work, go straight to the gym, train two clients back to back and then come home. And I was doing all that while being up for every single feed of a night time. And like I said, that, that segues me quite nicely into the point of you don't know what you're capable of until you find yourself in a situation which you have to just get on with it. And again, like I said, I am quite lucky in the sense of I don't have that contrast of raising a singleton and then raising triplets, it's all I've known. But at the end of the day, just telling you guys about that schedule and the feeding schedule and my work schedule and having to juggle all of that alongside everything should tell you that you're capable of so much more than you think you're capable of. And sometimes, I'm not going to lie, and as, as a coach sometimes because i remember like running for weeks on end on bugger all sleep you know i mean literally bugger all you'd get 45 minutes wake up another 45 minutes wake up if you were lucky if the trio were tricky at feeding or penelope was very tricky at feeding we had to tube feed her at home and she was sick a lot uh so much so we went through multiple different formulas etc um to kind of see maybe she was lactose intolerant etc but that's another story um with her, she was a bugger of feeding, so a lot of times she would throw up her milk and then she'd wake up early because she was hungry, or, you know, we would then have to be up even longer cleaning or, you know, trying to get an additional feed down her. But during that time and still running a you know, two jobs basically, managing my NHS job and obviously um managing my business and growing the business, it's one of those times when Sometimes when people say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm really tired, I've been really busy this week or things like that, I have to compose myself because sometimes my automatic bias, my automatic experience can put me in a dangerous zone of being unempathetic, if that's a word, unempathetic, going, are you serious? i got triplets, you know, I, I did all that stuff for months, literally months on end, uh, years even. But obviously you have to recognize that everybody's circumstance is different and stress and the things we go to is a matter of contrast. You know, it's a matter of experience. Until i had experienced the stress and the sheer workload and tiredness that we experienced raising the trio in that first year, and obviously I suppose every year since, but particularly the first year, then you would say that there was, you know, you you didn't have that contrast to be able to, to gain experience from. We didn't have that ability to go, oh no, we've been more tired than this. Or, oh my God, no, I've, I've worked harder than this, you know. Hell, my only experience of kind of working super hard was AFD shifts when I had a brief spell as an assistant manager at Harvester, where you'd work from like half past seven in the morning right away through to 1 a.m. Uh, but be on your feet all day long for me may- and maybe get a half an hour break if you were lucky. Um, but that was kind of like, the hardest I'd ever known it, until the trio. So I suppose to round off this podcast, which is actually the longest podcast I've done, thank you for sticking with it if you're still here, is experience is everything, and contrast is everything. You are capable of way more than you will ever give yourself credit for. You're able to deal with way more stress running on way more empty than you ever have but until you experience that until you go through it you will never know and you will always set your bar low in terms of what you can actually deal with and the contrast of not just raising the triplets even now four and a half years on but the contrast of everything we went through particularly in that first year the stress of obviously lady p as her name was known not being very well and obviously the stress of that and then plus obviously running on no sleep continuously and I would love to say that we had help but we didn't really we really didn't you know there was one morning a week where I had to go to work where we had a little bit of help with the trio but aside from that it was me and Rach and if you are struggling with adherence to your program juggling life stress of life anything you're going through I don't know maybe this podcast will help Particularly, maybe if you're struggling with parenting, maybe you're struggling with your kids being little sods, you know, not doing what, doing what kids do, testing you to your limits. Maybe you'll listen to this and go, actually, you know what? I can manage this. Who knows? Maybe I hope so. That's why I've recorded this podcast, and also so that you know, there's a resource for people to go to to be able to listen to the highlight reel of uh, not so much highlights, but you know what I mean, of having triplets. And so here we are, four and a half years on. They still fight like cat and dog. The hardest part of triplets is the fights. It's it's not raising them each individually because the beauty of raising triplets is that they are very self-sufficient. Uh, when you go out with one of them, for example, they are incredibly easy. They're brilliant kids. You know, I do like to think that we've done a really good job. Um, but with them together, they do fight, you know particularly the girls, they fight like cat and dog. When they get on, it's beautiful. It's a house full of laughter and noise. And sometimes uh, my clients will say to me on a Friday, like, mate, where's my my check-in response? And I have to say to them, particularly at the moment, just as the kids are getting back into school, it's like, it's coming, but I can't record it when I've got this much noise immediately behind me. And that's the thing I suppose a lot of people don't realize. I would love to kind of do a documentary of kind of a day in the life for us. And funny thing, true story, by the way. I know I said I'm getting this podcast, but one final thing to let you guys know about. Um, we were actually approached and filmed for a documentary. Uh, right in the very beginning of the uh, the trio, we were approached by a company that came along and filmed uh, part of a pilot for a, uh, a show that we were going to be on, all about kind of the um, raising multiples and... Um, yeah all of that and they were going to kind of catch up with us over time and kind of be with us for the first year which was going to be really cool um but annoyingly it was during the time that a boss at bbc2 had kind of changed and so they um they decided to cut the funding for the project which was gutting because it would have been a beautiful memory um and it would have been you know quite cool let's not beat around the bush but it's uh yeah it would have been an interesting one to show people kind of just what we've dealt with i guess and I suppose this is the thing because I'm quite blase about things because I'm I suppose quite a chilled out bloke and because I've got quite an open mind people never envisage that life is too stressful for us you know they see it on paper but then they see that the way that we are and they think oh you know what they manage it well and there's times that we've not managed it well you know it's it's pushed Rage and I multiple times to very very difficult places and breaking points and it's really been the making of our relationship in a way because by testing us as much as it has in our resolve it's actually brought us closer um so it's a funny old thing but anyways here we are nearly double the length of a normal podcast a double whammy for you guys hopefully you've enjoyed this um but thanks for listening that's the story of the triplets or at least the main parts obviously there's so many different stories i could get into so many different things i could tell you but The main thing to remember, like I said, is you are capable of way more than you will ever give yourself credit for. And potentially the only time you'll ever realize what you're capable of is when you have no choice. As we didn't, you know. We're given triplets to raise. Mother Nature kept them alive for us. We did our very best for them. And so we deal with the cards we're dealt and continue to do so. But just always remember that any circumstance that you are in, any circumstance that you find you're having trouble with or struggling to manage. Just remember, as my old stepdad always used to say to me, there's always a bigger fish. There's always people going through worse. And even with us, with the triplets, you know, we've watched multiple programs since of people that have had quads and quints and sextuplets, et cetera. And I suppose it's always a perspective to recognize that actually, even though we've been through more than most people will ever experience, that what we have done and continue to do Is something that nobody will ever understand, will ever experience. We are very lucky, incredibly lucky to have been blessed with what we have, to be given this experience. Uh, I don't believe in any kind of God, etc. But, you know, for some reason, Mother Nature chose for us to go through this, Uh, which is really ironic. The most or the least paternal man in the world fuck it let's give him triplets <laughs> let's give him five fucking kids folks thank you for listening to this very special episode um if you have got to this point really appreciate it um thank you for listening to episode 25 like i said these podcasts will always be a plethora of different things from lifestyle to stories to obviously advice i hope you're enjoying them 25 episodes in. Suppose you could call this, what, 25 and episode 26, but uh, we won't. This is just a long special edition episode 25. But thanks for your time. Thanks for listening to my, or our story of William, Polly, and Penny, the triplets born on the Queen's 90th birthday. And... I'll do my best to continue to update you guys on the craziness of raising kids uh, and the fucking expense, like they eat a lot. And bear in mind, that's three lots of school uniform. <laughs> and which is a big thank you to a lot of people that have helped us with school uniform by donating kids that have then left the school the kids go to, um, giving us their uniform to be able to um, to kind of ease the cost a little bit. But yeah, it's a, it's a crazy, crazy life, but I wouldn't have it any other way. I'm very lucky to do what I do and I'm very, very lucky to have the life that I have. And yeah, it's important to remember that, isn't it? Folks, have an amazing week and I will see you for episode 26. Toodles.